You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Reek, being joined by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Barkboard. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Good, and uh, getting ready to kick off. I mean, we're just days away from Fresno State at USC. Should become a uh, quite a you know a turnout. The Bulldog faithful love to travel to these games. Are you expecting probably a full house at this one? Yeah, absolutely am. You know, the Coliseum has downsized a little bit with their innovation, so they're somewhere in the 70,000s, I believe, thus room for total fans, and uh, USC's coming off a, a down season, and frankly, they're probably not going to be as excited for Fresno State as they will be for some of their Pac-12 teams, so that's the chance for Fresno State fans to fill that void, to come in and um, be a, a larger percentage of the crowd than they would have been prior to this renovation as well. So, plus Bulldogs coming off a big season. Um, you know, we saw a big crowd come to UCLA last year after the Bulldogs lost to Minnesota. So, there's been no bad energy going into this one. <laughs> no reason to deter fans and uh, check out the Bulldog season opener. See, see what happens. Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting if anybody can remember back to the last time the Bulldogs were there or the last two times the Bulldogs have been there. Uh, the Bulldog faithful have turned out quite often uh, and in big numbers uh, to these types of games. They love, for whatever reason, they love going to this <laughs> USC game. Uh, and everyone looks for a chance for Fresno State to knock off uh, the, you know, the USC Trojans. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see, especially for Jackson and I and and the whole uh, Barkboard crew. We'll all be there uh, on the sidelines and taking in the atmosphere and just. Hopefully, uh, you know, be celebrating at the end of this game kind of quietly amongst ourselves, <laughs> of course, uh, but be in a in a better mood once the game is over so that we can get uh, all the latest updates for you out there. Uh, but Jackson, you 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 finding this one's going to be one of those intriguing matchups, how, how the Bulldogs match up against them? Yeah, I mean, this game is uh, is really hard for me to predict just because USC was not very good last year, but they have the talent of say, a top 15, top 10 kind of team. They have that kind of roster that they've recruited. They just could not do anything with them last year. So, you know, if they come out and play to their potential, you know, frankly, if Fresno State was going to play uh, Georgia or even uh, Utah, one of the very top Pac-12 teams, expectations would be a little tempered. But if the Trojans come out and play like the 5-7 and seven team they were last year, the Bulldogs can absolutely knock them off. Even if Fresno State's not as good as they were last year, they should still be able to take on a USC team that if they're really only as good as they were last year at 5-7. and seven, They lost to both Arizona State and UCLA last year, who the Bulldogs beat. They didn't beat UNLV by as great of a margin as the Bulldogs did. That was at home. Bulldogs were on the road. So, I mean, there's a lot to point to to say Fresno State can win this game. But at the end of the day, if USC plays the way they're capable of doing it, it could be a tough night. Yeah, I mean, uh, when the season ended last uh, last season, uh, there was predictions that, that the Bulldogs were uh, favored to win um, at the end of last season. However, you know, what a lot can do over the summer, right? <laughs> Things kind of flipped, um, making the Bulldogs a... Uh, a 14-point underdog the last time I checked, so making it by two touchdowns. However, do you think it's going to be 
do you do you think or hope that it's going to be that close uh, with the Bulldogs facing them? For me, you know, as again I said, it's hard for me to predict. You know, even watching Fresno State, I think it comes down to what USC does on their end at the end of the day. But the one thing I am expecting to see is for Fresno State to continue their streak of holding teams under thirty points. And I think they've reloaded on defense. They've got a brand new core of linebackers, but I think they're, I mean, the coaches will tell you they're more athletic than the group that they replaced. They're, they're not as experienced, but uh, they certainly have more potential to be even better. The defensive line is pretty loaded, especially at the tackle positions. Uh, Waylon Free replacing Mike Bell is a solid replacement there in the secondary. You just hope Chris Gaston can step up at corner. You put all that together, and I think the Bulldogs can hold USC well under 30 points. And if that's the case, the Bulldogs need to find the end zone like twice just to make sure, worst case scenario, that they cover the spread. Um, so in my mind, I think Fresno State's a safe pick to stay within two touchdowns, assuming they hold them with under 30. Um, even if the offense struggles, they should be able to put up enough points to justify that. And maybe turn this into a UCLA game last year. I mean, uh, the Bulldogs always kept uh, kept in the back of their mind. If they keep it close, they have a chance to win. And they did, of course, against UCLA kept it close all the way up to halftime and then second half exploded uh, <laughs> and and really took the the lead away uh, at, on that game against UCLA. Before but before we kind of dig in a lot into this USC game. I mean there's been some breaking news going on right now uh with a possible quarterback transfer um maybe having Fresno State as their top candidate uh, to where he will land. You know, what more can you tell us about this Jackson? Is is this a possibility that could happen? Yeah, so uh, the player in question is Jake Hayner from Washington. He's actually a Bay Area guy out of high school. His family has Fresno roots, and he was looking at Fresno State out of high school. But, uh, you know, when Washington offered, they were a Final Four-type team, and Fresno State had one win that season. So can't blame the guy for going to Washington. He was an Elite 11 finalist quarterback. You see him pictured right next to Tua Tongo-Vailoa and all these guys. Like he's He was a real deal, but he's only six feet tall. And uh, faced an uphill battle that uh, he was battling against a six foot six five star recruit at Washington who transferred from Georgia, and uh, just very narrowly lost out that battle. So we're looking at a guy that can play some serious football at the quarterback position. And um, as mentioned with his background, it seems like just a kind of a reasonable deal to go to Fresno State for him. That's where he pre- basically wants to go. Uh, has other Mountain West schools, a few Power Five schools looking at him, but um, his preference, it sounds like, would be Fresno State. Now, the question for the Bulldogs is, are they in the right position to take him? Because they do have one of their, you know, their best quarterback recruits since Derek Carr, at least, uh, with Jaden Casey committed. And you don't want to say, maybe give the wrong message, perhaps, that you're bringing in someone else that could potentially start for the Bulldogs in 2020 and 2021. That would be Hayner's timeline if he comes here. Uh, meanwhile, Casey is going to enroll in the spring for Fresno State, and he could potentially compete to start as a true freshman. And uh, that path is a lot less rocky if Hayner's not here. So uh, we'll see exactly how they manage that whole situation. But, um, you know, the Bulldogs also bring back four other quarterbacks from this year's team that'll be here next year. So a whole lot of dynamics to look at. But Hayner looks like a guy that could realistically step right in and lead this team for two years. And, uh, you know, we're covering it. Yeah, up to the minute on the Barkboard Insider page, and we've been breaking news throughout the process. But at the end of the day, nothing's been official yet, and we'll just kind of have to wait until something final comes out of here. 
Now that could be an interesting situation. It's it's it sounds similar to to the whole Marcus McMarion type of scenario mm-hmm. that happened uh, a couple, few years back, uh, where he came in and ultimately won that that quarterback position from the starting quarterback, uh, who back then was uh, I believe Jason Virgil, um, and you know took that that position away and never gave it up never looked back so this could be another one of those that could happen it should he come in do you think you know he could potentially challenge for that starting role but i'd say it's it's a little bit too too late in the in in the fall camp process right now isn't it jackson yeah so hayner's gonna have to sit out this year regardless but the dynamic there is that rain is a senior so the job is totally up for grabs next year um it is kind of a similar situation with McMarion, though, because basically they both lost out on the quarterback job before the first game, and they both were looking for a new school without losing any eligibility. Uh, if Hayner, who was projected to play in week one for Washington in the secondary role, kind of back and forth with the quarterbacks, and if he takes one snap, then he could potentially spend all this year as a backup then have to sit out next year transferring and then only have one year of eligibility after that. And that would be really rough for him if uh, he's looking to be a starting quarterback. So, you know, there has been some criticism for him that it's been so late in the process, but you know, it's not really his fault that that quarterback battle went so long. And that's when they made the decision compared to McMarion where Oregon state's coaching staff made the decision about a week into camp and said, McMarion said, I'm getting out of here and finding somewhere else. Then I've got a whole month before the opening day to earn a starting job somewhere. And that's exactly what he did at Fresno state. So, um, the drama won't, even if he comes here, there won't be a dramatic quarterback battle or anything this season for the Bulldogs, but it's in the future as soon as next season where things get real interesting. Yeah. So that's going to be, that's going to be an interesting one to watch, see how things develop there. Uh, it could very well happen within the next few days, uh, depending on, uh, you know, how things shake out. Uh, we should have a decision one way or another where that quarterback is going to land. Cause the chances are, he's not going to want to wait any longer than he needs to. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. But, you know, for breaking news, do check at thebarkboard.com under our premium um, boards. That's where we'll break the the news ahead of time. But uh, that being said, let's I I think we need to kind of wrap up fall camp. Right, Jackson, because we're heading into week one right now uh, where Fresno State is facing USC. But before we we start breaking that one down, um, Fresno State finishes off fall camp how did they do did they you know come away with this unscathed so to say the least uh you know so the running backs took some shots and uh, i believe last time we spoke we talked about jordan mims going down uh well he was already down he never practiced in fall camp so if you say the bulldogs got him hurt in fall camp that's not accurate um he was injured at the very end of last season never quite healed 100 percent uh they tried he was Looked like they were going to give him a go in fall camp, and he wasn't there. They did some more tests and realized he needed a, some extensive surgery to fix that deal. So um, they're not going to have Jordan Mims for the season. Two players they did lose through the course of camp, though, were Peyton Dixon and Romello Harris. Uh, all that's been confirmed is that those are believed to be long-term injuries. That's what Coach Tedford is calling them. So we're not expecting to see either of those two guys for the foreseeable future. Um, Harris had transferred from Washington State. Dixon, a three-star true freshman. Both were expected to have pretty big roles. Uh, but the Bulldogs do have Ronnie Rivers. They've slid over Josh Hokett from linebacker back to running back. 
Um, they do have uh, Savion Johnson and Zion Eccles. Johnson's been in the program for a while. Eccles is a former Cal running back. So the Bulldogs believe with those four guys, they should have plenty of weapons if they can stay healthy from there on out. Um, you know, the rest of the team has been pretty much in good shape. Um, the defensive end position where Kwame Jones is not currently active, that's a concerning spot there. The Bulldogs are going to have to replace him. Um, they've been without offensive lineman Jace Fuamatu and wide receiver Amorie Edwards throughout camp. They may get both of those guys back fairly soon, but not for week one. Um, so injury-wise, you know, there's a, a few concerning spots, but the rest of the team you got to feel pretty decent about. Um, and then we saw some of the position battles emerge as well throughout the course of camp. And unfortunately we don't have an official depth chart yet. That's going to come out on Friday because that's what USC does. So the Bulldogs aren't going to give uh, USC their depth chart five days in advance. A little bit of gamemanship <laughs> yeah. going on there. But uh, we did start to see some guys emerge throughout the course of camp. Now, so that's going to be interesting. A little, a little bit of gamesmanship going on there between the two teams, which is, uh, you know, not something that uh, Tedford is, uh, you know, he something that he's already used to, basically. So uh, from being at the Cal position as a, the coach there, he, he has already dealt with this kind of situation. And, of course, USC wants all the advantage they can get because, you know, they don't want to lose to the Bulldogs, right? <laughs> so uh, that's usually how that goes. But, you know, uh, other things that have kind of emerged from uh, from fall camp, you know, you had mentioned to me before we got on the show. There's a new kicker now for for Fresno State. Something that developed during during fall camp that you and I both kind of were like, "Who the hell is that?" Right, kind of a thing. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, we've got a new kicker in the mix. And what's what do you tell us a little more about about that one there? Yeah. So Coach Tedford kind of sprung that on um, on Monday during his press conference. He said Caesar Silva is going to be our starting kicker this year, and that Asa Fuller is going to be handling kickoffs. We know Fuller's got a strong leg, and uh, he'll be continuing to show that there. But um, you know, the Bulldogs they had three kickers last year. One of them departed, so they brought in. Uh, Cesar Silva out of College of San Mateo. It's a place they've gotten a few other players like Kwame Jones, who I've mentioned just a few minutes ago. Um, and Silva apparently won out the starting job. Uh, you know, we get, we're out of practice almost every day, but the portion where the kickers are usually in action is something we don't typically are, are permitted to see. So that was a little bit of a surprise. And um, that's the one sure surprise that we know because we don't have the official depth chart aside from that position, essentially. But some other surprises uh, at the wide receiver group. It looks like all four of the new receivers are going to be active. Um, no red shirts there. Uh, as far as week one goes, they're all going to be dressed out. Um, Carrick Wheatfall, Jamal Glasby, and Jalen Cropper could all be at least second-team guys. So uh, a big fall camp from them. Jamal Glasby, probably the most surprising of that group. Uh, Wheatfall as a junior college guy, big expectations. Cropper as a four-star recruit, big expectations. But Glassby, you know, kind of your your typical three-star guy the Bulldogs bring in on occasion, and uh, he's really emerged from that group. And him and Zane Pope are probably going to be your two guys that look to replace Keyshawn Johnson's role. Uh, Darion Grimm and uh, Carrick Wheatfall are your Jameer Jordan-type receivers in this year's offense. Uh, Chris Coleman looks like he's going to start out in the slot. So that's been how the receiver position has played out. That was been a, a big question mark coming out of spring and a big concern. Uh, Bulldogs are feeling a whole lot better about that. 
Um, on the offensive line, as we speak right now, we still don't know how that's going to look. All we know is that Cyrus Tutelli is back at right tackle. Natanya Muti is going to start at either left guard or left tackle. Uh, we know that Matt Smith, the former walk-on, has earned the starting job at center, and the rest of it is up for grabs. So that will probably be decided Friday, about 24 hours before game time. And so that's been a position that we've been monitoring all fall camp and still don't know for sure what's going to happen. Um, you know, some, still some other question marks. Backup quarterback, is it going to be Comstock? Is it going to be Wooldridge? Could be either. Uh, but the defense, we pretty much knew was starting lineup before this fall camp started, and that's basically played out as we expected. Um, but some young faces probably going to see as the reserve linebackers and defensive backs. I look at um, Lavelle Bailey at linebacker. He's one that we've been watching since the recruiting process as a potential immediate guy, and he's earned a spot on the, the travel team for sure. Uh, Randy Jordan Jr., cornerback out of Tulare Union, and safeties Evan Williams and Devin Jarvis. That's a group of three true freshmen there in the secondary who could potentially be seeing playing time against the USC offense that's going to throw a whole lot of receivers at them. Yeah, and so things are, you know, there's going to be a lot of different weapons that the Bulldogs can use. Now, one of the developing stories that came out of uh, out of fall camp was the, at that running back position uh, and, of course, the, the movement of Josh Hokett. Um, and that, what, you know, what's, what's your take on this? You know, how, how is that going to shake out? Because Hokett was supposed to redshirt this season. Uh, how do you see this one playing out for Hokett? Yeah, that was a kind of a tough deal because they were going to have him redshirt this year, uh, learn the linebacker position, uh, focus on wrestling. And the next year be the star middle linebacker of the defense, replacing Michael Walker in 2020. And just the Bulldogs have taken too many hits at running back, and they need him there. And they basically called him back into action at running back and just expressed how much he was needed. And I think for Hoka, the idea was you know, he kind of got phased out of that running back committee a little bit last year with Jordan Mims doing very well at the beginning, Ronnie Rivers really doing well at the end. Uh, so Hoka had an injury during the middle of the season, so... You know, Hoke wasn't quite as involved at running back, and if he's got one year to use, would he rather be the guy that gets five or six carries at running back or wait for a year and be the star linebacker? And now he's in a position where him and Ronnie Rivers are basically going to be the one-two punch at running back, and that's certainly a big enough role for him to use that last year of eligibility and just play right away. Yeah, and that's it kind of... It, and and things could change uh, because with the new redshirt rule, they 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 can use him up to four games, and he can still redshirt. Um, so if they find, you know, they're using him, and then all of a sudden one of the other running backs emerge as another uh, option, do you think they might just pull the trigger on that again and say, "All right, Hokit, go ahead and redshirt. We've got somebody that can help now." Yeah, I'm just not sure if they'll have that just because the numbers are so down with the three injuries. Um, Savion Johnson would basically be the guy that would do that. And, uh, you know, he had an injury in the spring they're still a little concerned about. So there's just not, I don't see anyone that's going to be able to, to do that to give Hokett that opportunity. Um, and then, plus, you always have a concern, you know, if Ronnie goes down, then <laughs> Josh is the man by himself pretty much at that point. So. Uh, they're definitely going to need to keep him prepared either way to play at any point of the season. Yeah, we're just hoping that somebody else in that running back committee will emerge to kind of help help uh, you know relieve some of the load that's going on because obviously with the the other injuries that happened at running back position, 
uh, with uh, Dixon and and Romillo Harris going down. That really, that really, we didn't see that one coming, did we, Jackson? That one kind of just came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, we've got this deep group <laughs> has now become a very very uncomfortable whether or not they can make it through the season kind of a group. So, I mean, what, what do you see that kind of developing there at the running back position? A little bit of concern? Uh, I think given the circumstances, they're in a good situation going into the season. Now they are one injury away from being in a very concerning situation. <laughs> yes, so they are. I think that's kind of where that stands there. You know, Mims, we thought could be a possibility. He wasn't going to be good to go. Um, and then you have uh, you know, Harris and Dixon both went down right around the same time, so that was a pretty rough deal. But if the Bulldogs can survive with uh, Rivers and Hokett as the one-two punch, how keep both of those guys healthy, um, <laughs> they should be in a really good spot at the running back position. But you're always concerned. You're one bad play away from being in an even tougher spot and scrambling for for guys to fill that role well the goal is to make it through the first two games with those two guys still standing upright right so you know making sure that they don't go down with an injury (laughs) after that things should kind of lighten up a little bit as far as uh, the body the type of caliber of defenses they're going to be facing i mean you got usc with some big guys and then you've got minnesota with some big guys so if they can survive those two teams up front uh maybe coming back home again and facing who's after minnesota is it, i believe it's a division two team isn't it yeah, after minnesota they'll have a bye they'll play sacramento state they'll go to new mexico state and then they'll have another bye so that four-week stretch is going to be four buys yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be about the easiest stretch that fresno state's had in any four weeks that i can ever think of covering the team so Plenty of time there to recover, to hopefully use some of their reserves. <laughs> and uh, if the first two games don't go as they hope, then they have plenty of time to tinker and figure things out before conference play. So the key is survive the first two games. That's the key. Because then, you know, essentially it's almost four, uh, four week games, a four week stretch of buys almost. <laughs> so, I mean, nothing nothing to put down those, those two teams, but really theoretically, they should be easily well taken care of against those teams uh, but that being said let's go ahead and start switching gears let's go back to this usc matchup fresno state uh, heads over to um, the coliseum where the bulldog bulldogs will be facing the usc trojans and you know how how do you see in your mind how fresno state's offense matches up against this usc defense Offense versus defense. The USC defensive line is probably your biggest concern, and right now the Bulldogs' offensive line is my biggest concern. So that's where this thing starts and potentially ends because if the Bulldogs can't get the running game going and they can't protect Jorge Reyna, this is going to be an ugly game, frankly. Reyna is going to need time to make things happen with the passing game. We know that he's a bit of a gunslinger. There's, uh, you know, if he has time to throw the ball, he can make big things happen. If he gets rushed in the pocket, that's a potential for some mistakes to happen. And the Bulldogs are not going to be able to afford that against USC. Um, and if they can't run the ball, then Rain is going to be in some very unfavorable situations. So, for me, you know, I think with Muti and Rivers in there. Uh, you know, those are two guys that typically when the team is scrimmaging and practicing live, they don't want to get those two guys hurt. 
So I think the offense is going to be a little bit surprised by their success with those two guys in there a little bit. It's going to look a lot smoother than it has in practice. Um, and it's going to come down to some of those new offensive linemen to make the rest of that happen. Now, if they can get a, press, a push at the line of scrimmage, you know we know Ronnie can make things happen with the ball in his hands, and as long as he has some help to do that. And then we also know USC's secondary is a bit inexperienced. Um, you know they're not the potentially elite, experienced players that you're going to see at some of the other positions. So. For me, on the flip side, you know, if the Bulldogs can can run the ball, if they can protect Reyna, they have an opportunity to move the ball downfield and then also have the opportunity to hit them deep with some big plays. The Bulldogs receivers are equally young and question mark group, but if they have the running game setting the table for them, they should be able to take advantage. So, you know, for me, I watch the offensive line those first couple drives and kind of dictate the game from there. If uh, if they can't get pressure. It could be a long night. If they hold their own, then Fresno State can certainly take advantage and maybe do something similar to what we saw at UCLA last year. Yeah, and, and yeah, the key is going to be that offensive line. If they can give Jorge Reina enough time to just get comfortable, uh, read his defense, then then possibly the Bulldogs can, you know, like like they did, like you said, like they did against UCLA last year. They kept it close heading into halftime. And then made their adjustments and were able to pull away from from the US, UCLA. I I don't know if it's going to be that easy against USC because uh, honestly, it's a kind of a different caliber type of team. Um, but they did struggle last year, right, Jackson? I mean, they had their own problems. Do you think the Bulldogs can kind of take advantage of some of the same issues they had last year? Or do you think they might have corrected those? Yeah. Um you know, last year wasn't pretty for USC, and it wasn't. It didn't seem like it was anything in particular. Just kind of across the board, they struggled. Uh, they've got a new offense this year in place, but the defense is going to be something that's pretty similar. And you know, they're just going to have to rest on what they've got. They've got two all Pac-12 defensive linemen, and they should have a good matchup against the Bulldogs in this game. Uh, they've got size at the linebacker positions, which may or may not be a good thing, depending on if the Bulldogs are trying to pound it with the running game or trying to spread it out with the passing game. And then the secondary is really the big question mark. It sounds like that's been the big concern out of fall camp for them. And, again, Fresno State, I think, has the quarterback and the athletes at receiver to take advantage of it. And, of course, Jared Rice at tight end. But if they can't run the ball and if they can't have time to get downfield, then it's not going to do them much good. Yeah, so the key, I I think we're both in agreement, the key is going to be whether the line can hold their own and if the running game could get going. If if those two things can happen, uh, the Bulldogs have every shot at, at taking on a USC. Uh, but on the flip side, you've got the USC offense facing uh, the Bulldogs defense who, by all honesty, is probably the the strongest point of the Bulldogs right now. Um, you know, back to those days of of having a, a really good defense, and even with the, the the loss of two key players, the Bulldogs look like they're ready to pick up where they left off last season. Is that true, Jackson? Yeah, um, you know, the defensive tackle position for Fresno State is as deep and as strong as it's been, in my opinion. Uh, the Bulldogs have four upperclassmen. They have three seniors in that group. And, you know, KTI Copo is not the biggest guy, but uh, he's probably the most effective, to be honest. The other three are all, you know, 
power five kind of defensive tackles that you would expect to see, and they just all happen to coincide as upperclassmen. Uh, Ricky McCoy even being a former Pac-12 guy from Washington. So that group of four guys is Fresno State's, you know, I think the most comfortable spot that they can be. The defensive ends have been a concern coming out of camp because they don't have Michael Walker there anymore and Kwame Jones is out. And they're going to need to get some pressure on JT Daniels at quarterback for USC because, again, the Trojans have some of the best receivers in the nation. And even if Fresno State secondary is very solid, uh, it could be a tough matchup if Daniels has all day to throw and you've got big Michael Pittman Jr. running downfield and just winning battles for balls. I mean, so if the Bulldogs can, I think they're going to be able to handle USC's running game for sure with the interior D-line and the linebacker positions. But... Uh, getting pressure off the edge is what they're going to need to do to really keep the rest of the defense clicking. Now, the you know getting pressure off the edge is going to be a key, but that interior line uh, looking to be one of the strongest the, the Bulldogs have had in quite some time, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, it, last year they were a question mark, and they you know struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year, but by the end of the year, definitely a strength, and that was with Jasad Haynes out with injury, with uh, Kevin Atkins well under 100%. Um, KTI Copo really emerged, and Ricky McCoy took on more of the responsibility. So you get all four of those guys healthy, and you're in a pretty good shape for Fresno State. A lot of the time, they're trying to just make sure they have two defensive tackles that are good to go. This year, they've got four, and they can rotate them, and that's going to be a good deal. Now, the defensive back uh, backfield, uh, the crew that they have back there, they're no slouch either. Uh, they're a really good group of guys uh, going on, especially with you know you got JJ Hughes going on, uh, Waylon Free. All those all those guys are going to play a, a key part, and they look like they're going to be a strong group uh, heading into this game, right, Jackson? Yeah, um, they bring back Jaron Bryan and Juju Hughes. That's half your defensive backfield, and you feel really good about them. They've started for like three years in a row now, so uh, no questions there. Um, You've got Waylon Free at safety. He's been one of the stars of this offseason. He's only a redshirt sophomore, but he's played a lot last year, and there's big expectations on him. He was committed to USC out of high school, so there's no doubt that he's that kind of player. And then Chris Gaston fills out the the rest of the secondary at cornerback. It's going to be his first start. He's either going to be lined up against Michael Pittman or Armin Ross St. Brown, and um, I mean neither one of those two guys are guys that you want to have your first college start. Uh, against but Gaston did grow up in that same area he's played against both of those guys he's played against Tyler Vaughn another receiver for USC that'll be involved uh, between high school seven on seven all that stuff he knows what these kind of guys are capable of you know Gaston also was a commit to UCLA at one point so again a lot of confidence in the athleticism it's just a matter of putting all the pieces together and performing when uh, the pressure is really on yeah so that's a it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch to see how these guys match up. I mean, the the defensive our defensive backs have been pretty fun to watch these last couple of years, uh, especially Juju Hughes, who is really coming into his own in this one. And uh, do you see him kind of matching up well against some of these these offensive players from USC? I think so. You got both Hughes and Free at safety who have experience at cornerback. So that's going to be a big help with pass coverage, of course. I mean, if you're a safety, you're expected to do stuff like that. But, uh, again, they can drop down. They can be your extra maybe nickel cornerback if needed. That's something that the Bulldogs don't have right now because they've got the four guys that I've mentioned, but they don't have much beyond that. Um, And then, really, I think it comes down to Gaston because 
the Bulldogs haven't had a hole in that secondary. They haven't had a, a liability, and it's allowed all those guys to play and do what they're capable of. And if the Bulldogs have a cornerback getting beat each play, then uh, Hughes is not going to be able to excel the way that he has in the past. So if Gaston and Free come in and play the way they need to, then Hughes and uh, Bryant should be as good as they have ever been. Yeah, those uh, those guys have been fun to watch, and I, I believe this matchup is gonna is gonna be a, a good one. Um, but you know, one of one of the key roles, and sometimes in these games, is gonna be special teams. And Jackson, do do we know who's gonna be doing a lot of the the kick returners? Uh, uh, is there a possibility we might see Cropper, who is electrifying when he when he gets the into that position? I think that's very possible. Um, I've heard that hinted throughout camp. Uh, they really like his ability with the ball in his hands, and what better way to do that than returns? <laughs> you don't have to run routes or catch passes or anything. They get they kick it right to you. So uh, I would probably expect to see Cropper involved now. Again, as we mentioned, he is on a bit of the lighter side, so are they going to want to let him run full speed at some USC uh, defenders on special teams? That I'm not 100% sure, but you know, otherwise we don't really know a whole lot about the special teams. Um, last year, Keyshawn Johnson and Ronnie Rivers were your punt returners. Johnson's gone, and Rivers, I really don't think they're going to want to put him in harm's way uh, with the running back situation. At the same time, Fresno State is pretty uh, conservative with their punt returns, so... They may just throw Rivers back there to fair catch the ball and <laughs> not get hurt and give the offense a uh, good field position. So uh, that one's going to be a little bit of a surprise. Maybe when the depth chart comes out, we'll have a better idea. Yeah, I mean, I've got a chance to kind of see uh, Cropper up front uh, and personal on those kickoff returns. Uh, and and from what I can tell you, he is legit. Uh, anytime he touches the ball, he can go uh, from end to end in with no trouble whatsoever. He he has this ability to make players miss. Um, so it would be an obvious choice to have him back there as a special teams player. Um, although, like you said, a little bit on the lighter side, um, you know, but it, it, it throws back to some of those old days that we used to see some of our smallest talented guys returning kicks and would do very well, Jackson. I mean, this could very well be one of those kind of opportunities again. Yeah, and that's something we just haven't seen with this coaching staff yet. Uh, they've done just about everything else you could ask of them, but they haven't been too electrifying on special teams. And you know, that's I think it's a testament to that. The one special teams return. Well, I'm talking specifically about returns because we've seen them block Boise State's <laughs> extra point. That was huge in winning that game. We've seen Jaron Bryant run back two field goals in one quarter. So they are doing exceptional exceptional in those areas. But at the return game, uh, their one return touchdown in two years it was a field goal. <laughs> so credit them for practicing that and being in the right situation to let Jameer Jordan return Hawaii's field goal for 100 yards. But when it comes to kick returns and punt returns, they have been very conservative, and that's kind of by design. They don't want to risk uh, having something occur where uh, they go backwards or fumble the ball. They just want to make sure they keep winning that field position battle and keep the offense in good shape. All right. But, you know, things things could start changing. This uh, coaching staff could start to kind of develop this uh, special teams game, especially now that they have some of the important pieces in place that could actually, you know, return the ball <laughs> so to speak uh you know back in the old days of pat hill he used to put in all of his best players on special teams regardless and we saw how that used to you know make a humongous difference on special teams tetford on the other hand doesn't kind of take the same kind of uh, approach does he jackson yeah i mean 
with kick returns, we've seen that kind of change a little bit with the rules. The kickers are closer to the opposing end zone and the opportunities are limited. You can fair catch within the 25. So we've seen the attempts, but we haven't seen a whole lot of big returns. We've seen Jameer Jordan do it a couple times, but nothing like he did on that field goal return. Um, but punt returns is one where you're still very able to run one back. And if Cropper could be the guy, maybe they start to get a little more aggressive there. Yeah, so that that would be uh, something something that has been missing for a while. That and the fact that of of blocking field goals, but you know, like you said, they did block one last year. It just seemed like uh, in the Pat Hill days, it, there was a whole lot more of that going on. Uh, not only on on returns, but blocked field goals. It, it was quite uh, quite interesting to watch. Uh, but you know, that's beside the point. It will. It, Things are going to shake out one way or another at USC this weekend. And we're either going to see a team that is ready to go or a team that has a lot of work ahead of them. Right, Jackson? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, in my mind, um, I still think the schedule is very favorable for Fresno State, regardless of how they come out of USC. I think USC game is going to give us more of an indication if the Bulldogs are where they stand going into Minnesota the following week. Uh, but after that, you know, as we mentioned, they've got a, a four-week stretch of two buys where they can fix things up. They can should be able to put together two wins. And even in the Mountain West, I think the Bulldogs are going to be favored more often than not. Uh, Utah State at home is going to be a tough one. At Hawaii and at San Diego State are going to be challenging. Uh, but for the most part, they should be able to handle business, even if they don't look so hot against USC or if they come out as uh, winners. I'm still expecting them to get through conference play potentially get to that Mountain West Championship and make this a great season, regardless of how these first two games turn out. Yeah, so expect to get a lot of coverage at this uh, of the USC game on the BarkBoard.com. Like I said earlier, the whole crew is going to be there. Um, So we're going to have coverage from multiple different angles. Uh, You know, we've got an addition to our our BarkBoard group. Um, Addison Van Patten is joining the the crew this year. And so we'll, we'll have... Between Jackson, I, Addison, and uh, Lorenzo, uh, we we should have a complete coverage, right, Jackson? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll be on the field taking pictures. I believe you'll be down on the field with videos. We've got two in the press box. Uh, I mean, we'll be out there at, at all angles, and uh, we'll have all of our work posted at BarkBoard.com following the game. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, make sure you check back to the BarkBoard.com for all the extra coverage that we'll be having. Um, and uh, But that being said, Jackson, any final words, anything else that you want to talk about before we head off on the, onto this podcast here? Um, you know, I'm not sure if we talked about it since last time. The Bulldogs added a wide receiver commit, Jameer Shepard. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes from the same high school as uh, Keyshawn Johnson, Devontae Adams at Palo Alto. Uh, you know, a big-time player. He turned down three other Pac-12 teams in his top schools to pick Fresno State. So that's going to be a, a big one for the Bulldogs. And, uh, I mean, this receiver group is really loading up. Uh, they're a little bit young right now, but in a couple of years, they could be really something special. Yeah, so things things are um, kind of hit a slow period right now for Fresno State recruiting. But uh, we expect that to kind of start to pick up a little bit, especially as we start getting closer uh, to that uh, first signing period in December. So I expect things to kind of start to heat up a little bit, right, Jackson? Yeah, right around September, the floodgates will open, so to speak, with recruiting. They'll start to host those official visits, expecting quite a few recruits to be at the Bulldogs' home opener against Minnesota. So, um, you know, this dead period's almost over, and we'll get right into the heat of it uh, going all throughout the season. 
So that being said, uh, you know, without any further uh, news here, um, want to go ahead and make sure everyone checks into thebarkboard.com. If you're not a subscriber yet, make sure you head on over to thebarkboard.com, become a premium subscriber. You can even try it out for free, I believe, for, for a month, right, Jackson? So we've got two ways to get in if you're not a subscriber already. If you go with our annual subscription, you're going to get that for 30% off on your first year, and that's the one that comes with a seven-day free trial. So you can give that a shot. Make sure you like it before you commit, and uh, we're sure that you will. And then we also have a monthly plan. That one you get your first month for just a dollar. So that's another easy way uh, to just get in your foot in the door and check us out and uh, give us a shot, see how you like it. Yeah, so you'll, you'll be able to kind of view everything and kind of see what we're all about on the premium board. Um, but you know, give it a try, and and before you like it, you know, kick the tires a little bit. You know, before you buy that car, kick the tires, see if you like it. Uh, but you know, you can reach Jackson on, you can follow Jackson on Twitter at JacksonMoore two four seven. You can follow me on Twitter at Red Wave Report, and you can also find us on our Facebook page. If you haven't done so already, make sure you head on over and like that. We've already reached our five thousand uh, likes a goal that we were looking for. And we did it before kickoff of the first game, Jackson. I told you it was going to work. <laughs> so we've got our 5,000 likes. And uh, if you haven't done so, head over there. Like the page as well. We typically post our, uh, you know, any type of news there first, indicating to head back to the website. That way it's kind of like a reminder to let you know we've got something new on the website. So make sure you do that. So with that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again back next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.